0: Hello OmniTalk fans, you are listening to a live recording from the stage at Grocery Shop 2023 in Las Vegas Where we, alongside the Grocery Shop team, recap the key takeaways from this year's show Hello everyone We have the Grocery Shop diehards in here. These are the real crew. Yes. Yes. Whether you you all know this or not, we're recording a live version of a podcast right now, so I'm going to need you to hoot, holler, like cheer for people so we have... Yes, exactly, exactly. Good start. Good start. All right. um, Well, welcome, everybody, to the Grocery Shop Takeaways session. I'm Ann Mazinga. I'm one of the co-founders of OmniTalk Retail, and... Typically, we do a weekly podcast where we cover the top headlines in retail, but we're reformatting things today, and I have the unique privilege of putting the grocery shop team here on the spot. I get to ask them the questions, um, but we're going to go through and kind of take a look back at the last three days of grocery shop and talk about the, the key things that you can take away from your time here and share with your teams back at home. So... Joining me on stage, if you don't know the beautiful faces sitting next to me, I'd like to introduce to you all our Grocery Shop's very own VP of Content for Grocery Shop, Waquan Lucas. She, (laughs) yes. Uh, Along with Grocery Shop's Director of Original Content, Ben Miller. And finally, Grocery Shop's SVP of Content, Christina Gustafson. All right. So before we get into the takeaways, we want to ask you, the audience, we're gonna give you the opportunity right now to participate in this. We wanna know, coming into the show, what were your expectations? What did you think we were gonna be talking about at the show? And you can vote on the screen. There's a QR code that's gonna pop up right now. You can scan that QR code and it'll give you prompts so that you can respond and participate throughout the discussion. So go ahead and let us know what you were anticipating the themes of Grocery Shop would be. So you can see those all up on the screen and they'll start populating automatically. But, Rock, I'm gonna start with you. Okay. You're, you're running the show here. You're the Grocery <laughs> Shop man with a plan. Um, I want to know if you can take us through what grocery shop, like what the team's key themes were going to be coming into this, what you hoped people would take away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say that there were like five specific uh, things that we knew we really wanted to focus on. Um, The first one uh, being unified um, commerce. Um, yep. So everyone out there is, is likely familiar, of course you are familiar with the term of omni-channel. Um, but we kind of saw that as a way of describing um, meeting uh, consumers uh, across um, different channels. But what we really wanted to highlight was the idea of actually building seamless shopping experiences across um, different channels. Um, and how do you bridge online and in-store grocery? So for us, it was kind of like omni-channel Evolution is kind of Unified Commerce, but yeah. we like to call it a little bit. Um, and I was actually excited to see that um, Ajo Delhaize, uh, USA CEO, kind of seemed pretty receptive to Unified Commerce as a name. And so maybe we can give ourselves a little pat on the back for maybe championing something. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so that was one uh, big area that we knew we wanted to focus on. I say another one is um, just taking a look at how um, investments in technology are being uh, reprioritized. So uh, we saw that a lot of uh, retailers and brands have been moving um, kind of their budget allocations and and resources from maybe some of those longer term uh, bets that might not have proven ROI in, in, um, you know, maybe a, a year or two time and have been shifting them over to kind of Investments in uh, more near-term things that can drive productivity and efficiency, and then of course uh, profitability. So I actually see Matt Van Gilder uh, in the audience, and he was joining us on a session about um, e-commerce profitability earlier today, um, earlier this um, for this event. So. It can uh, be profitable,
0: according to Matt Van yes. Gilder of Spartan Now. <laughs> <Show me>. e-commerce <laughs> can gonna. be profitable. <laughs> if you wanna know the secrets, he's got them for you. Find him in the audience.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what um, Hungry Root had to say uh, there as well. Um, but yeah, yeah. so that was another uh, big topic for us, is that, that shift to um, bets that are more about driving efficiency and productivity. Um, a lot of those um, kind of use cases you might see in store operations and supply chain, but I think we wanted to also highlight how there could be efficiencies in, in some of the other parts of the organization, too. Um, and then I'd say another um, big topic, which would be no surprise to anyone in the audience, is uh, generative AI. Um, talking about um, what the use cases are from a retailer's uh, perspective and also um, from brand's perspective. Of course, uh, Ben uh, and Christina did a Zeitgeist uh, presentation earlier, um, kind of uh, highlighting um, kind of where we see the the big use cases uh, in the industry for generative AI. And so uh, we definitely um, thought that that was gonna be a hot topic. It just continued to uh, kind of gain steam as we got closer and closer to the show.
0: Yeah and it looks like from the from the poll of the the of participants in the audience yeah. that Utilization of generative AI was number one. 63% yeah. of the audience who voted is also yeah. agreeing with that being a key theme. So yeah, I, it makes I believe, sense.
1: I believe that too. Although it, it was the first uh, choice, so it might be <laughs> my <laughs> you think it's a default, <laughs> it's a. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were going to randomize them. No, um, but yeah. So that um, was certainly a big topic. And then, of course, retail media um, was uh, a topic that. Um, the industry is um, very much thinking about. um, So again, from the retailer perspective, we wanted to be able to highlight um, how they're launching retail media networks and um, what some of the organization structures are are looking like, Um, and then from a uh, brand perspective, kind of what is necessary for them to get the most uh, value out of it and and justify that um, ROI. Um, And then uh, lastly, I'll say uh, the... um, Big topic for us was just taking a look at market dynamics. I think across all of our grocery shop shows, we, we try to um, offer a bird's eye view of what the landscape is looking like. Um, and so we Thought that it would be uh, important to obviously address um, some of the consolidation that we're seeing, um, whether it be the obvious uh, Kroger and, and Albertsons deal, and um, Aldi um, kind of uh, buying up some Winn-Dixie uh, stores, and even some of the um, acquisitions that we're seeing um, kind of from regional grocers as well. To talk about that, and then also to talk about um, some of those uh, emerging players that are, are out there, um, whether it be you know kind of uh, the marketplaces, and you know whether they're uh, Enemy or, or not. <laughs> um, and then uh, <laughs> frenemies, yeah, I think exactly. is the term. And then some rock. of the pure, yes. um, pure online groceries as well. So what, always trying to cover kind of where the landscape is to help you guys understand um, where the future might be going. So those were kind of the big uh, five themes. I think I said five, right?
0: yeah um, I mean I like think that's that's perfect. Here. And then, you know, just to recap for those listening at home too, looks like the audience sentiment here is AI being a key component. We have retail media networks being this in second place, and then unified Commerce and Grocery, which is a great segue into what our actual takeaways were. So, Christina, we're gonna go down to you first. Um, unified commerce is one of the big takeaways. We, I was joking that we might have to change our name from OmniTalk to UniTalk uh, after this grocery shop, but I don't, I don't know that that's actually gonna happen, but you know, crazier things have happened. Um, Christina, take us through a little bit of, of your takeaway on Unified Commerce specifically.
2: Yeah, I love that. Um, you're not alone in that. We were hearing from uh, Simon Miles over at Coca-Cola that he thinks he might have to change uh, his title at the company as well because he's omni-channel retail. So it, it does seem like the the term is taking off. Um, I think, you know, Rock, Rock teed this one up really well. But I think, you know, the couple of things that I would add to build on this, um, just uh, really remembering the fact that as much as many of the folks in this room are focused on digital, uh, 90% of transactions happening in the U.S. Uh, today in grocery are still taking place in stores. So how do we really connect that experience across channels, make it feel like the experience you're having online isn't, you know, in one silo, and then when you when you enter into the store, it's completely different. Um, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we do actually really see retail media being a key to that. Um, yes. Sort of as you're learning who, who customers are in a digital forum, um, leveraging digital screens. Um, I, I made a joke on stage about just kind of how many opportunities there are to, to hit people with uh, personalized messaging uh, from the various options, if you will, uh, right. for, for digital screens throughout the store. So um, I think it's really just kind of about bringing that um, seamless experience um, from, from online to digital. Um, I think the other quick thing that I would say again, I feel like I'm hitting a lot of these, uh, just, just, but hey, it's unified. It, it's it right. Um, it's just some of the um, organizational implications um, that this has and just kind of making sure that folks um, have access um, to, to data across the organization. Um, you know, supply chain is talking to uh to uh, uh, the folks on the e-comm side, et cetera, et cetera. And um, one thing that I thought was really fun on, on that topic in particular was Deepak uh, Jose from Mars um, was, was asked the question on a, a session about how do you organize yourself successfully for Omnichannel, or sorry, for Unified, I'm breaking my own. My own <laughs> jargon. Uh, for unified, you're Congress. in charge of this thing, exactly. Christina. You gotta, you gotta focus on the right topic right? here. I know. I'm all over the place. <laughs> um, but effectively, um, he was saying that he loved the question because if he had been asked it a year ago he would have answered it completely differently than he answered it today. So he he focuses very much on um, data and analytics and he said effectively if he was asked that a year ago, he would have talked about how important it was to bring in people with data and analytics um, acumen. And he was basically saying the opposite today. It's kind of you have to know the business um, and we'll we'll sort of teach you the data and analytics because especially as you know, things like generative AI can kind of help democratize data and understanding of data, that business knowledge is gonna be more important uh, in the long term.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Rocky, anything you wanna throw in and add there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that, um, you know, obviously uh, through the several sessions that we were hosting um, at the show, Uh, unified commerce was uh, a theme throughout them uh, intentionally but um, also through um, some of the uh, conversations that you know we might sessions that we weren't expecting to talk about it also uh, did as well Um, and I would say that uh, kind of what I learned was that um, kind of the way that we've seen retailers kind of um, embracing um, unified commerce is kind of just through th- digital and mobile applications and um, kind of being able to uh, kind of quickly toggle um, between in-store mode and um, you know when it's in-store mode obviously you have kind of services like wayfinding and um, you know maybe your your shopping list shows you what aisle each product is on um, so i think Wakefern talked a little bit about that um, but yeah in, in a lot of ways it seems like the retailer is able to really just use those uh, digital apps and, and tools as a as a good way to really kind of bridge what's happening um, online and uh, in the store.
0: Yeah, I think uh, what. What my key takeaway from that was, was really how this is impacting how the teams at grocery organizations are being kind of shaken up. They're, you're seeing a lot of like pulling in from different backgrounds to fill the roles to really provide this unified commerce experience. And then a lot more collaboration between teams that you know still to this day, you still have teams that are focused on e-commerce or benchmarked on e-commerce, benchmarked on store results. And so I think that leads nicely into our next topic, the second takeaway on our list, which is retail media. And Ben, you've been uh, the retail media guru of this grocery shop. So tell us a little bit about your takeaways uh, on that topic.
3: It's been really fascinating to compare where we are now with where we were at grocery shop last year. Um, And first up, there are so many knowledgeable people on mm-hmm. retail media at this event. Um, so I'm absolutely not the guru. <laughs> because I think that's really interesting because it reflects a change in investment and a change in mindset from retailers 100%. thinking about their retail media. So last year, um, I think you would sum up retail media at grocery shop or well, was lots of people running around going, look, it's really shiny. We've got retail media networks. Yeah. And that's about as far as many of the conversations went. Now there's an absolute recognition amongst the retailer community that they are selling a service, mm-hmm. and it's got to be valuable. Yep. Uh, and just having a network in its own right isn't enough. So we've heard it from lots of different directions. And yeah, to start off with, we've understood the value. So J.J. Fleetman, you know, CEO of Ahold Deleuze U.S., on his keynote, he told us that their uh, retail media network revenue from AD um, up 70% this mm-hmm. year. And Rodney McMullen, Kroger CEO, uh, confirmed that their alternative revenue streams was a $1.2 billion of incremental profit this year. Yes. So look, clear illustrations of both growth and the size of the prize. But then we could kind of listened to a number of retailers talking about what you need to do to get a retail media network of scale and capability. Mm-hmm. We had highly on the keynote stage today. It was really fascinating. Oh, insights. I agree completely. So great. So uh, Donna Treadon, who looks after that business, now they've just launched a new network, and they spent a long time thinking, "Where's our right to play?" Mm-hmm. And you
4: know,
3: talking about you need to appeal to both the CPGs, but also to the media buying community. And yes. starting to build that mindset. Her background is a marketing agency, but building that marketing agency mindset into retail. Fascinating.
0: Yeah. Well, I I totally agree, Ben. The thing I loved most about what Donna said, from Donna from Hive on stage said was we are not competing with Albertsons, with Kroger, with all the other media collectives that are in that space. They're competing with NBC, with iHeartRadio, with Spotify. Like they are a media a media provider now yeah. and they have and she even went as far as to say like the writer strike she thinks will impact you know how people are consuming media giving retailers an even yeah. larger spotlight than they've ever had before to consume content in those short formats and so i think you're you're 100% right like this is really changing you are no longer just a retailer you are also a media company and you need to change your organization to reflect that
3: and then where it gets really interesting is you look at the other side of the argument as well, yeah. of the discussion or the conversation. So for a CPG, you're facing into this. What do you need to do? How's your organizational structure? How do you bring marketing people to the table? Is it just a pure commercial? How does that tri- inverted triangle work? Um, and a really interesting insight. So um, at this very moment, there is, in one of the other rooms, a fantastic conversation <laughs> happening about how CPGs don't, respond don't, to...
2: Don't hype it up too much. Please. Don't go over there. If yeah, you leave go, now, cause, <laughs> cause you're not the pre- part of the live
0: podcast. Podcast anymore. I,
3: and I was on the briefing call so I can tell you what they're going to say. Um, <laughs> no, I think there's a really interesting model that uh, Simon Miles and Coke uh, will be talking about. And that's how you know, when you think about retail media networks, there will be you know, a section that are retailers who you've just got to be with. Mm-hmm. There will be a section of retailers who are bringing something special, unique and different. And then there'll be some where you might engage through agencies or third parties, or there might be some consolidation in that space. So, I think, you know, understandably, there's not bottomless pits of trade spend (laughs) that's going to go into these networks. So, expect to see more segmentation and more thinking in that area from CBGs. I think that's really interesting and absolutely right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I w- I would definitely uh echo that that um there's obviously going to be some of uh, the retail media networks at CPGs are going to be of course um uh putting a lot of uh, investment in and then for some of those other ones it's about kind of uh building out uh, a good value proposition. So mm-hmm. um that seems to be something that I've been uh hearing kind of uh people thinking about and then I would say another thing that I was kind of hearing maybe more so um off stage than than on stage was kind of this Um, idea if you took a look at like last year's grocery shop we also talked about uh, retail media and we kind of hit on what some of those pain points were for uh, CPG organizations and uh, one of the things that we called out was um, just kind of not having the standardization of of metrics so I was hearing that um, you know with the IAB kind of adopting what um, Albertson's um, uh, uh, kind of Framework that they built, uh, essentially uh, for um, kind of standardizing uh, those metrics, was certainly kind of like a step in in the right direction. So. Um, we'll see, um, you know, kind of how some of those other pain points get alleviated, too. And that's going to be fascinating. Your standardization, when you yeah. try sort of
3: understand the return on investment, is critical in this. And the IOB work is a solid piece of work. It's a step forward, isn't it, in the direction. It's not, it's not the end of this road, right. but it, it, it's where we've got to go. That's the actually road we've got that's to what on. I'm
2: excited about. To your point before about how last year it was just, oh, look at this shiny object. This year it was all about standardization. So I'm excited for next year when we're talking more about differentiated capabilities. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Uh, All right, let's go to the top uh, audience requested item for this discussion, (laughs) AI. Uh, Rock, why don't you take that one first?
1: Yeah, yeah, so um, artificial intelligence, uh, the talk of the show right next to uh, retail media, I would say, Um, but, you know, like specifically generative AI. But I feel like um, kind of one of the the through lines that I was hearing through some of the conversations uh, that were taking place on stage um, is just kind of, Uh, related to that um, common adage of, you know, not... Um, investing in technology for just for technology's sake. Yeah. Um, so that seemed to like ring true, true um, into even the people who were very, very like adamant about kind of how generative AI could be super um, transformational. Um, and so it was more so we heard from uh, Vero Shaw at Nestle and uh, Sarabi, um, who's the chief, di- both chief digital officers. Um, and Sarabi uh, represents uh, Church and Dwight. Um, and she talked and both of them talked uh, quite a bit about how it was more important to just um, figure out what problems that you were looking t- um, to to solve, and then from there kind of uh, go back and say, hey, is it generative AI that's going to be the solution here? Is it just AI? I mean, you know, maybe we don't need a generative uh, output here yeah. um, or is it just going to be uh, uh, automation or you know i think even monica mcgurk was was also suggesting that we were um kind of uh over relying in, in certain ways on on um, artificial intelligence and in that there's probably in a lot of situations um some less complex um, solutions out there so that was one thing that I, I thought um but that certainly doesn't mean that this um generative ai is, is all hype and that there aren't um trying Um, some transformational um, use cases out there. Um, What I did see also is kind of it felt like there was a slight maybe like divergence in terms of how uh, CPGs were uh, yeah, leveraging the talk technology versus mm. how uh, retailers might be taking a look at it. So um, a lot of the CPGs that were taking the stage talked about how they were using it internally um, to help kind of like um, boost and um, drive efficiency for their sales and, and marketing teams. And then um, uh, it seems like the the retailers seem to be a little bit more open-minded in, in, in an interesting way about um, Leveraging it for um, shopping experiences and, mm-hmm. and impacting the uh, consumer in a, again, in a consumer-facing way. Um, so, uh, I guess. If you want to call um, Instacart a, a retailer or just, you know, just, maybe just a, a marketplace. Um, you those know, those they, are fighting words, Rupon. Yeah, I, my bad. Me. <laughs> be
0: careful. Be careful yeah. what you but, say. Uh,
1: yeah, so um, just be, meaning that they are um, a consumer-facing uh, product. Yeah. Um, and so they uh, were able to leverage generative AI through um, their Ask uh, Instacart um, uh, offering uh, that, you know, could clearly uh, impact um, and transform how shopping experiences are, are done. Um, and then it also seemed like um, Ben McKean from uh, Hungry Root, was, although it didn't seem like they were implementing generative AI yet, was mm-hmm. was very open to the idea of how it could um, impact um, uh, shopping experiences. So I think he even referenced like if someone uh, suggested that they wanted to go light on um You know, food items uh, today that, you know, it might take some of those items out of the cart that um, Hungry Root has um, kind of automated through its AI um, services that it already has.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think Ben McKean from Hungry Root, I think his his discussion on AI was probably one of the most memorable of this Mm. entire conference because he was really talking about, you know, we've been using ai it's not new we know it just was called algorithms before that we were using to run to optimize the consumer experience and you know it's not about i love that joe asked him too you know like are you talking to your customers like are, here's the ai interface that you're going to be talking to no he was like absolutely not that's not what we're going for It reminded me of uh, a little while back, we interviewed uh, Vinod Baderkopa, he's the CTO at Sam's Club, and he was talking about omni-channel experiences and how they focus on those. And he said, you know, you can tell a great omni-channel experience when you don't see it, when you don't notice anything, you just have a seamless customer experience, a seamless checkout. And I think that translates really well into what Ben was saying at sta- on stage about how they approach that at Hungry Root. Like They just want you to be able to go to Hungry Root and have things served up to you that are make it faster and easier so you can check out in you know, two clicks and you're done versus two to three hours of shopping. So I think that's something where we're seeing these operational use cases for AI that make so much more sense right now.
3: And there's, there's two builds that I would take. First on gen AI, yeah. if I was to sum up all the conversations and, and what we've heard over the last three days, it's, it's a huge runaway train analogy. Yeah. And it's a runaway train that everybody at the moment wants to get on because everyone is really convinced that it's going to end up somewhere really good. Mm -hmm. We don't quite know where that really good is yet. Yes. But we also know that if you don't go down now, you're going to miss it because it's moving so quick. So what does that mean? It means lots of people focusing on internal use cases, productivity gains, guardrails, limited use of unfettered use to to customers. It's how do we understand and how do we create a culture within our organization that is positive towards Gen AI Mm -hmm. so that we can be well placed and understand the tools to be able to go for uh, new applications as as they become uh, more available and more tested. Um, Equally, it was absolutely called out, no retailer or CPG has got the ability to make Gen AI tools on their own. So it comes Mm -hmm. back to a partnership, and that was really important. And the last bit is data. So on, yeah, we talk, I think one of our big takeaways is AI in data, because time and time again the conversation came back to, if you don't have the data, you can't build any of these tools. So you've got to have the right data in the right places, managed in the right way, otherwise you can't do anything.
0: Right. All right, let's go on to number four. And just a heads up to the audience, we are gonna have Q&A the last 10 to 15 minutes of this session, so if you if you agree, you disagree, you want to say something to the team that's coordinating next year's grocery shop, you should definitely <laughs> jot those questions down as we're going through. Um, let's go to number four on the list, um, organic growth versus inorganic growth. Ben, tell the audience a little bit more about what that means uh, in the context of the, the grocery Shop takeaways. Yeah,
3: I think this whole thing came out of a comment that JJ Fleetman made. Yep. And then we've suddenly started it to be applied and recurring time and time again. Um, Which was, you know, the simple question was pointed, was asked at him, How are you going to grow the business? And he said, There's three routes for us to grow. One is organic growth. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, We think there's lots of headroom. Uh, and we've heard it time and time again. People saying we're just going to be a better version of ourselves. Yeah. And we still think that, that there's growth. We think inflation is coming out of the market. We're starting to see some unit growth. And we think that you know, there is organic growth in this market to go after. You know, a pretty positive, a more positive economic outlook than we were expecting, right? Yeah. Um, he then said, you know, what was the second option? The second option was inorganic growth, i.e. making a scale acquisition. He slipped it in, and I think <laughs> you stop and you go. That's basically the CEO of Aldela saying we are actively looking towards making a big acquisition. Yeah. So I think Read between the lines,
0: but well, you will, yes. But,
3: but, it, but it, he's, it's active, and he wouldn't say that if it wasn't on the cards. So. That's really interesting, and you put that in the context of Albertans and Kroger, which is right. scale, you see what Aldi's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, In the supermarket industry, you've got to either be incredibly differentiated or you've got to be scale. Um, there was a, a fantastic stat that was shared uh, in by uh, Scott Moses from Solomon in the analyst presentation right back on day one, which feels an awful long time ago, uh, where uh, I think it was 10 or 15 years ago, 10 of the top 15 retailers of grocery products in the United States for supermarkets, now it's only five of the top 15 hmm. because of the growth of other channels. Yeah. So there is a, a, a scale play. So expect more consolidation yeah. is what we're saying. And then the third area was other revenue streams. Now, we've already talked about retail we, media, yeah. so we won't go there, but you know, hearing that trend time and time again of retailers or CPGs saying, on the one hand, we absolutely want to stick to our knitting, on the other hand, we're quite interested in market consolidation right now. And on the third hand, we're investing these whole new business units to get after new opportunities. Yeah. And that, that was a trend that we, just, we kind of heard repeatedly during yeah. the show. And
2: I, I want to jump in there, too, really quickly, because it's really interesting to hear different people's opinions on sort of what that inorganic growth really means for the bottom line. Because mm-hmm. on the one hand, um, I was talking earlier with Diana Marshall, who's the chief uh, growth officer at Sam's Club. She didn't necessarily say it. I, I kind of ad-libbed for her, but she didn't correct me um, when she was talking about their the profitability <laughs> of their e-commerce business. that's one business. of the best things that you do on stage. You're, you're like, would it be true if it, I said this? I assume, so good at that. I assume your e-commerce profitability is related to your retail media business. Um, I mean, and I'm not picking on her in any way, shape, or form. The reason I can assume that is because that is how most people are, are sort of getting to that metric. Um, but what was really interesting is hearing um, from Mustafa Barton over from Migros um, over in Turkey, and they are very adamant that those sorts of of metrics should not be pumping up um, their their um, e-commerce P&L. So he's very firm on the fact that, no, you know, if if we're doing this right, we should be investing in automation. We should be, you know, making sure that our distribution centers are in the right place. We should be making sure we have the right inventory in there. Um, And so just kind of hearing the the two sides of that coin where some retailers are, are sort of viewing this as a way to to, I guess, I don't want to say rationalize um, going digital because obviously you need to be digital and neither of these things is wrong by any means, but it is just kind of interesting to hear how different companies are approaching that problem and and how how they're solving it and and how they're kind of doing that calculus. Yeah, Yeah, you need to pay for the innovation.
0: You need to pay for, you know, the margins that are so small in grocery, you need to make up for that somehow. And these are great opportunities too. Even even High V too on the stage today, Ben. I mean, they were talking about getting into you know healthcare. I mean, very heavily into healthcare, and how they're you know uh, working on these clinics in areas that they don't even have retail stores too. And I think that's the other component of this that we have to remember is that so many of our grocery stores are really the center of communities, you know. So a place like Hy-Vee again, for example, having a clinic, having a post office, having a bank, having a DSW pop-up, like all the things that are happening in those spaces, you know, they are really, there There really can be opportunities for other players to lean into those areas where they can have more growth in the spaces that they already have.
3: And, and whilst you know, many of the conversations we've had have looked at you know, digital transformation, seamless, the, you know, the moving between online and offline, I think mean, one of the things that we've repeatedly tried to do throughout the show is talk about we're at 12% e-com penetration for, for grocery. Okay. Yeah. You know, we, we had a really interesting conversation with Mars Pet, which is up at 40% penetration. But, you know, actually, for the majority of grocery, we're looking at around 90% give or take of product is still bought in physical stores. Right. So, it kind of brings right back to physical stores. Yeah. We had a great, we had a great panel uh, on this yesterday afternoon, and I was going to quote... Um, Dave Steck from Snooks Market, who's making some really interesting points. He's sat in the audience just over there. He so is. I'm not, not, not going to try and make sure I get the quote right. But <laughs> He's he, going
0: to correct you. He He's going to co- come he, up here and grab your mic. And yeah, if you don't I, I, say and it correctly. He, And he
3: will as well. Um, so <laughs> I think to paraphrase, um, to paraphrase, not a direct quote, um, we said, look, if your physical styles aren't any good, no one's going to shop on your e com anyway. Right. So, you know, I think we can all recognize that. If you're walking down the aisle and you're seeing produce that's not fantastic, of course, it always is in Dave's stores. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if, the, if, the, if you're not enjoying the in-store experience, you won't think you're going to get a better experience yeah. on, on online. So, yeah, th- that unified absolutely will come full circle to make sure that our physical stores are fantastic and build the loyalty accordingly.
0: Right. All right. Uh, speaking of of Dave, um, we're going to go into investment priorities and talk about where we saw a lot of conversation at Grocery Shop. What things are grocers investing in right now? Christina, yeah, take us I through that.
2: Even taking a step back, uh, I don't want to skip ahead to where I know we'll be going shortly. But yes. it, it, it is really interesting coming into the show. I was expecting just kind of what we're seeing in the macro environment that there was just going to be a lot of. Um, conservatism in terms of just kind of Mm. looking ahead at what technologies people would want to explore for their businesses. Now, I'm not saying people are going out and and throwing money at things that don't have the opportunity to deliver a relatively immediate ROI, but there did feel like there was quite a bit of openness about continuing to find technologies that would really sort of help, help um, with that efficiency. Um, going back to another analyst who had a really fantastic presentation, um, Aaron Bowling from ComCap um, actually pulled out um, a stat from Instacart's S1 where he was talking about how grocery has one of the lowest levels of digitization of any industry, spending 1% of total sales on enterprise IT, which is just like, an astonishing uh, yeah. an astonishing number um, so so clearly investment does need to be happening um, in this space um, you know we talked a lot about um, the fact that growth in the industry lately has really been driven by inflation rather than volume. Um, yeah. So that's going to make it really tough um, to unlock efficiencies. You know, Ben was kind of hitting on this um, when he was just kind of talking about the organic um, versus inorganic growth market consolidation. You know, the, there's there's various um, different ways that that folks are trying to solve for this. But I think at the end of the day, it's, it's really kind of looking to technologies that make you do your job better, kind of a back to basics, if you will. I think about Target. I know, you know, they haven't been hitting the ball out of the park every quarter recently. But when you think about the things that they're investing in, it's making the curbside experience better, adding the incremental purchase through Starbucks. It really is kind of those fundamentals um, that make you operate more profitably. My favorite quote, I think, of the entire show uh, came from Mike Tattersall at True. He's just super intelligent, um, uh, based over in London, and he's he's a VC investor, and someone posed the question to him in a rapid fire about, uh, you know, what do you think about um, ESLs? And, and his response was, welcome to grocery shop 1993. But yes. I mean, it's so true, right? It's, mm-hmm. and, and we talked about it a little bit in the Zeitgeist, the business case is kind of starting to go more in favor of these technologies that didn't previously make sense when you think about, yeah, it's not only hop, hel- helping your operations, it's also got these potential ties to me- retail media, yep. the AI behind it, that's sort of helping with this price optimization is, yeah. is making these tools. So it's, it's not even about the hardware anymore, right? Uh, obviously, to some degree, it's it's making the the store associates more effective. But I don't know. It's just it's a really interesting it's a really interesting time to be yeah <laughs> to grocery. It's like the
0: inspector gadget of technology. Like E.S.L.s before could eliminate price changes, but now when you think about everything else that they can do for the associates, for store operations, for inventory accuracy, like now it makes sense to make those investments. Yeah. But Rock, throw something in. You were gonna. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I was just uh, thinking about um, as we were talking about investment priorities um, and uh, some of the investments and in maybe uh, lack of investment or, or retrenchment that we we're seeing in some of the things related to uh, kind of like fulfillment centers. Um, some of the uh, retail um, large uh, retailers have uh, maybe uh, slowed down on on that, um, and and considering that, uh, and it just made me want to actually maybe call out. Um, our actual uh, startup pitch uh, winner uh, which Mm -hmm. was uh, in stock um, and uh, how they are thinking about uh, different ways to really drive um, efficiencies uh, when it comes to um, uh, micro-fulfillment by allowing um, and leveraging the space that the retailer already has versus like installing um, a solution um, kind of or installation alongside the store um, using the space it already has to kind of really help Um, unlock and and drive down those costs Um, I know a lot of uh, retailers in in the room are are, uh, considering um, kind of the capital expenditures that can go into uh, some of those uh, larger um, uh, fulfillment centers and so um, that seems like uh, one area where um, kind of some of the uh, new technology companies are trying to be thoughtful about um, how Retailers are um, prioritizing their investments right now.
3: Yeah, I think the last thing that I'd make on this is there's been a repeated pattern of um, established technologies being developed to meet new use cases. Mm -hmm. So I think we're suddenly in this one plus one plus one equals Mm four game. Uh, Yeah, we talked about electronic shelf edge labels, and and Christina talked about that. We uh, we may come on to talk about smart carts, um, computer vision. No, they just walk out, world is cooling, but what about computer vision for inventory, mm-hmm. for managing stock loss, uh, etc.? Uh, you know, we'll come on to talk about shrink and, and yeah, shrink challenge. Yep. So yeah, it's what technology and, and technology vendors are actively recognizing the requirement to evolve, to, to incorporate the big themes, to yeah. incorporate artificial intelligence and be data enabled to provide a retail media opportunity where there wasn't one originally and to particularly help customers and shoppers nail that unified commerce experience.
0: Right. Uh, We're going to go through these last two real quick so we have time to get to questions, but uh, Rock, cover diverging customer sentiment real quick for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think this one just um, kind of uh, sparked our attention because it's uh, been something that we've been hearing um, at, at past grocery shops, um, and uh, uh, Kroger CEO uh, Rodney McMullen also uh, called this out on stage um, on the, the first day, which is... That they're very much um, kind of taking and, and seeing um, in the marketplace these two specific types of consumers: one that is specifically very more uh, budget conscious, um, and another that is um, kind of a bit more um, upscale and is is willing to um, really get all of the the benefits of uh, convenience, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and not willing to sacrifice um, or not super concerned about uh, price in that regard. Um, and so, yeah, it's just something that uh, we've been seeing. Um, at, you know, past grocery shops, so it was interesting to hear Rodney, um, talk about how that, um, still seems to, uh, kind of, like, ring true, uh, today as well, um, and, you know, just had us, uh, thinking a little bit about, um, kind of, like, what that means for, uh, retailers, like, you know, kind of what, um, customers, they should be targeting, how do you kind of build, um, different offerings that are specific to them, do you just maybe, um, dedicate your, um, retail, um, to, uh, a specific segment or, uh, maybe cover both. Um, and obviously, you know, Kroger being, a um, very large retailer, um, yeah. has to, uh, kind of manage both of those consumers, customer segments, but maybe not all retailers do.
0: Yeah. I think it, Christina was saying it too, in the prep before the show, like, especially as dollar stores are coming on, offering more than just the, 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 packaged goods and they're starting to get more into grocery, that becomes uh, more important for groceries
2: to be thinking I do about, an, too. I do an embarrassing amount of grocery shopping at the dollar store. I don't think the it's
0: building. embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, you just, you gotta do what you gotta do, because, you know, <laughs> you, you need a one-stop shop. Like, I mean, let's just call it what it is. In
2: all seriousness, they're, I mean, the, they got fresh food. They got pretty much everything I need. That's right.
0: So. And you know it's gonna be the same price every time. That's the other key component mm. there. You're not, you're not going there and in one day it's $4 and in one day it's $2. Um, The last thing we'll cover real quick is future fit organizational structures. And this is one that I kind of fought for because I was hearing it time and time again when I was interviewing several retailers throughout this conference. And I think retail media networks are really driving this. How do you build a team to really support the new changes to the the bottom line of your organization, what's driving that revenue that um, incremental revenue, and how you need to structure teams around that. I think everybody from uh you know high v talking about how they're they're bringing in people with a variety of backgrounds and giving them broad coverage of of topics we heard um Hyvee Aaron talking about how he's in charge of IT and health and wellness, and you have Donna who's in charge of marketing and, and uh, retail media and all these all these different things. Jason Farver, another person from Hyvee who we interviewed, is in charge of the retail media network and supply chain. Like, there's just this diverse background, both when you're thinking about hiring people. Um, Bring outside the box thinkers in to help solve these unique problems, especially I think as media becomes more of a focus too, and making sure that your your merchandisers can be media partners and your and your marketing and media people can be merchants and kind of use both flex both of those muscles. Um, all right, now before we get into the last section here with Q and A, we want to take a quick moment to talk about what we did not hear about. And we were a little surprised about this. So we're gonna give you all another opportunity in the audience to do another quick Slido poll. And we want to know, uh, we want you to vote. What did you think we were gonna hear a lot about and you were surprised not to hear about this year at Grocery Shop? Um, as that's going on, uh, on the screens here for those in the live audience, I'm going to ask and see, uh, what your thoughts were team. So, um, let's see, rock, do you want to start us off? What did, what did you think first here on, uh, on something you thought we'd talk about, but we didn't?
1: Yeah, I I guess, um, you know, I think the, the Well, I see um, the audience is is voting in a different way, but I thought what they might (laughs) say was um, shrink reduction um, technologies, just because um, some of the headlines that we were certainly seeing in in the lead up to the the show suggest that um, it is something that is uh, super top of mind uh, for for you all out there, um, and uh, I think, you know, kind of when we were talking about um, things related to our, our topics around kind of store um, uh, efficiencies, uh, we thought that, um, you know, that might lend itself to um, also having people kind of address um, uh, shrink and how uh, different technologies could um, address that. Um, I think we did hear from uh, JJ Fleeman, who talked just uh, quickly about um, some of the things that they were doing, um, it seemed to be uh, things kind of uh, that we've seen a, a bit, I would say. Um, so things like uh, kind of computer vision at at self checkout and um, kind of uh, working with um, some of their um, CPG uh, partners. But um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was just surprising um, how uh, maybe lighter that. Um, that uh, topic was discussed across
2: the session. I agree with that. I was really expecting there to be a lot of innovation there. Um, I feel like it's a huge opportunity. I know we made this point in the zeitgeist, but I very passionately believe that this is a huge opportunity for tech solution providers, because I just don't think there's anything out there right now that's really helping companies solve for this. It feels like a lot of the solutions out there are just, there's a fly on my face. (laughs) <laughs> the the beauty there. of live recording. He's, yes, you know. He's my fan. Um, no, but it, it, in all seriousness, it does feel like the, the solutions out there are a lot more um, to reflect on the problem, right? And yeah. to sort of identify yeah. where it's going missing, when it went missing, but it's kind of like, what do you do with that information then? I'm sure maybe it can help you make better uh, decisions about where your inventory is placed, but if... if the end result is you're just going to lock it up, then uh, I don't know uh, how, how hugely helpful that is. So um, I think that's my call-out to the industry is to, to think creatively about how we can solve these problems in real time versus just kind of you know, adding uh, some, some uh, smart AI at the checkout to, to you know, see when it's happening. Yeah.
3: And there's, I mean, there's two that I'd like to call out. You know, one, is, is a watcher, really, that all the focus on retail media, that we spend far too much time, money, and effort looking at the bottom of the funnel. Mm-hmm. And that we don't do enough to, about to really drive demand at the top of the funnel, yeah. You know, to, to grow the pie and to stimulate and excite about brands and yeah. unlock technologies. You know, there's been less conversation at this event, this previous events, about things like you know, live streaming. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to make sure in our minds that we, as a group, when we're planning the events and us as an industry, mm-hmm. don't get too focused on the bottom of the funnel through retail media, rather than driving the top. Um, and the second thing that is amazing really is we've had considerably less doom and gloom yes. than we expected.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, was sh- I was shocked about that too. Yeah. Like it's, I thought it was going to be real like, oh boy, it's shrink. I mean, I, especially around the shrink topic. Like yeah. I feel like that has been so pervasive in the media right now and a reality for a lot of the grocery retailers that we've been talking to as well. So yeah. ca- shocked. Shocked. Yeah. That-
3: I, I think it's a much more optimistic Maybe Outlook. it's the
0: orange. Isn't orange supposed to be like a more pleasing... The orange grocery shop logo, like orange supposed to
2: make people happy? It's one of those like
0: the very, dress the dress very. for
2: your mood or something? I, I think it's actually because of our attendees is my thesis. Oh. They, no, I, I do truly believe it. I think, you know, if you're coming to the show, you're looking at what's new and next and you're excited right. about all these opportunities. So I think we, we sort of self-select. Uh, yes. We, we self-select. It's
0: well, great. one of the other topics that the audience overwhelmingly seems to think was missing is sustainability. So... Um, th- that's what our, our studio audience here is saying. Um, it, it wasn't as, you know, it, last year, I felt like there was more conversation about, especially about reduction in waste, and um, especially as we're talking about more applications of AI, that seems to be
2: one of the benefits, but I don't know if you guys saw that as well. Anyone? It's One quick thing I'll say on this, it sort of reminds me of what we're seeing on the consumer side, where you can't lead with sustainability, it has to be the added benefit. like people always kind of talk about how it's product first and then, oh, and it's also sustainable and I feel good about this purchase. I almost kind of feel like the industry is that way too. It's like, okay, it's gonna help you uh, cut cut down um, on costs. Oh, and also it's really sustainable. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's, that's right or wrong, but like it, it just kind of feels to me that when we do sessions that are more focused on efficiency, profitability, reducing waste, things that kind of have a, an impact on the bottom line and then it kind of has that sustainability add, people tend to be more um, into them yeah. versus, I mean, we did have a session that was fully on sustainability. I'd be curious how many of you do. Yeah, I didn't go. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think, I think, I think the,
3: the other thing I would say on sustainability, and it's, which is really interesting as we look forward, is um, we are getting one year closer all the time to the deadlines that many large organizations such as yeah, have set themselves to be net true. zero. And you know, when those deadlines were set, they were so far in the distance, there was baked in a a period of time to figure out how to do it, Mm -hmm. and then a period of time to do it. And that period of time of figuring out how to do it is rapidly closing, and we still haven't figured out how to do it. So I think that as as we move forward, there will be increasing focus on technologies and innovation to help us get towards net zero targets.
2: Yeah, Yeah. people also realize they can't say it. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, coverage, I I think similar to your point of of companies that are falling short on their goals. And so it also kind of feels like companies are trotting that out less as um, something that they're doing super well, because they realize they have a lot more work to do. Yeah,
0: well, 2025 is a year and some months here, like clock is ticking. Um, The last thing I wanted to bring up and then we'll go to Q&A is uh, and I don't know if this is largely because Amazon has drawn, withdrawn many of their plans for getting into the grocery space um, and their just walkout technology, but I, that was such a big topic the last couple of years, and so I was shocked that we weren't hearing more about applications of that, especially in light of Amazon's recent news that they're now able to do Just Walk Out, including apparel in a setting like that, and so when we think about the big players like Walmart and Target and even Meijer and some of these other or HEB, stores that have that go beyond grocery offerings, now that that's a capability that can be done, I think it gets back to our earlier conversation about investment in technology. And before, it was just you know just certain products, convenient store-sized products that were available in that realm. And now we're starting to build out to bigger boxes that it can accommodate and more product sets. Yeah. So, you
3: know, the the technology continues to de- be developed. Yeah. Um, the you know, whether it's, Amazon, or whether it's Garango or whether it's Trigo, mm-hmm. you know, Trigo rolling out eat more and more um, stores in Europe, yeah. with Raver. We still have small numbers. But yeah. The stores are getting a bit bigger all the time. The algorithms, the systems are getting trained. Um, and the use cases are expanding. As you go home tonight, you can go for the Hudson News in the mm-hmm. Terminal 1 at um, Las Vegas Airport. yeah that has got Just Workout technology. So the use cases are expanding. What we haven't seen is the critical mass. And yeah. there's a whole number of reasons around CapEx, cost of mm-hmm. installation, uh, a, a fantastic comment that Dave Steck made yesterday, which is about He's energy. getting
0: three shout outs oh, in this hilarious. podcast. I mean, we love Dave at OmniTalk, but I mean, come on, yeah. Ben.
3: But I, I haven't thought about the amount of energy consumption with all of the IoT tools right. that requires to, to use it. And, uh, right. and energy is more expensive right now. So look, the headwinds are growing. What we're seeing is expanding user cases. Yeah. And and the, the expansion of use cases to help with inventory management, to help reduce shrink, is where absolutely where CV will go.
0: Yes, excellent. Uh, thank you, all of you lovely panelists. Um, thank you in the audience. It is now time for audience Q&A. So if you have a question, raise that hand up high. And oh, oh, one, two, we, this is the best. Yes, run, Rose, <laughs> I'm nervous. she's on it. <laughs> Yes. Hi
1: there, I'm Bree from
0: Zipline, and you guys put on an amazing show, thank you so much. My question is that with all of the rapid
4: changes that have been happening in the past year, less than a year, have you been hearing, and what have you been hearing from retail leaders about the way that store associates and frontline workers
0: are buying into these technological transformations? Mm. I'd be curious to know if there's a pervasive theme that you guys have heard.
2: It's a really fantastic question. that's actually, I think, one of the biggest pain points that um, Tim Simmons talks a lot about over Mm -hmm. at Sam's Club. He's the chief product officer, and he is just, I don't know if anyone in the audience knows him, he is just one of the most empathetic humans uh, on the planet, and he spends a lot of time thinking about, you know, it's not just sort of the technology and the product design, it's also the human design, um, and and how do you get people to really sort of buy into these capabilities. Um, I would say um, I've heard from folks on his team um, that oftentimes it's about selecting the right stores, um, where the store manager is someone who is really open to, Hmm. trialing these new things and sort of getting them bought in so that they can then funnel it down to their teams. And then from there, once you know you see one store that's um, succeeding uh, with that capability, it becomes a lot easier um, to sort of go, go ahead and roll that out to other stores. So that's probably the best advice that I've heard um, really coming from sort of Tim and the, and the Sam's Club team. Yeah.
3: I mean, one of our speakers this morning, and I don't think he's in the room. Um, some of you will know Jordan, Jordan Burke, who is CEO of Tomorrow Retail Consultancy. And uh, I a, it was a conversation I had with him about six months ago that really sticks in my mind, where he says, your frontline workers, are your, are your, as a retailer, are your quickest and most efficient route to the digital transformation. You tool and you give them the right tools at the right mm-hmm. time. And you upskill them, and they will drive a digital transformation quicker than anything else that you can do. And I, my sense is we talked about more about this at Shop Talk in March than we have at this show. Mm-hmm. So whether that says it's lower down the priority list in grocery, whether grocery is already ahead of the game in that area, I'm not sure. I can't, I'm not sure where it lies, and we're really interested to hear perspectives. But, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a huge route to drive change in, in any retail organization, especially any grocer.
0: Great. Let's go to our next question. Here Do
3: you, you want to shout, and I'll, I'll relay it.
4: Hi. First
2: <laughs> <laughs> We'll let Did him know. plant you? Did Joe plant you? Oh,
4: Is this better? Oh, oh, yeah, Fantastic.
0: Thank
2: you. Um, so for the audience, that was a request for Joe Laszlo to come
0: back. Yes. Uh, missing from the grocery shop schedule, Joe, in the recap, noted. Yes. Yeah. yes you know, yes. usually
4: you know, we have to head back east and I always make sure I catch this because it's the best session I feel so. Congratulations, everybody that's here. You chose right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you. Really quickly, one thing that I was looking into, especially walking the trade show floor this year, it seems like almost all the vendors were focused on AI, robotics, like technology. And it was something I remember that even Miss Bracey brought up from Unilever about the importance of focusing on the individual, the person. Mm -hmm. In fact, you even said, Ben, I think it was the gentleman from Schnucks who said, if you go to the store and you have a bad experience, you're not gonna to want to deal with them anywhere else in e-commerce, almost like a restaurant, if the bathroom's dirty, I'm not gonna eat there, kind of same thing, right? Yeah. Words it almost to live seems by. like there seems to be almost a less of a focus on that experience in store, that personal experience, something you can deliver that will help distinguish you from everyone else. In fact, I think even the question before was, in a way, this technology is something really interesting. Maybe it's better to help arm your frontline employees so they can provide better service and provide that. And it's something that actually I came here looking to hopefully in a way, find vendors help us, to people to help us with our brand, provide that better in-person experience to help yeah. distinguish us. And it seems that like it's not coming up as much. And I don't know if it's something in the future it might possibly be, you know, one of those things where we overcorrect to itemization and AI too much and this becomes a real white space blue ocean for some companies or is it something that, you yeah. know, it, it's just it could be something that could really help distinguish us in the future, just providing that person to person, that real distinct experience in store where with so many people running in one direction, this might be something different. So
3: we, we had it's a brilliant question, um, and it's a topic that we covered in a session um late afternoon yesterday. So we've got got a slide deck and some research we've done. So pick it afterwards and I'll I'll, I'll make sure I send it. Um, Personalization in grocery is a huge opportunity. It's also, as we know, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So uh, the parallel that I drew is if you are going to buy a luxury purchase, so let's say you're buying a fantastic watch, a bit of jewelry, Mm -hmm. a special handbag. So for for most of us, these are infrequent purchases and they're high consideration. And in that environment, you know, one-to-one for sales, sales associate absolutely Norm. So when we're at Shop Talk in spring and we've got luxury retailers in the room, they're absolutely investing in client selling tools, you know, something they can have in their hand where it tells you the details of the shopper, their online, their offline experience, they can personalize, they can make recommendations. Fantastic. Right, how do you bring that into grocery? Yeah, so you go into you know, high volume, low margin, multi item basket. What's the crossover? How do you make it work? Well, there absolutely is client selling opportunities. So I, one of the big drugstore chains in the US is currently doing a trial with um, one of the telecom providers where, as you approach a store, it triggers on your phone, they know you're coming, the pharmacist gets your product ready. By the time you hit the desk, you, your prescription is ready for you. Um, okay, well, how do you then take that into a, a fish counter or a meat counter so the fishmonger knows who you are? and Or how do you um, facilitate your uh, liquor teams. You know, The, the path to purchase for mm-hmm. uh, premium spirits and fine wines is increasingly being recognized to be really similar to luxury purchases. So how, how, how do you upskill the, the employees in that area? Again, it's employee enablement. This is going to happen more and more. To, to get to that, you need the data. So mm-hmm. loyalty cards help hugely with that. So you need to know their purchase history. You then need to be able to some sort of way to recognize, to identify the shopper, and then you need the digital elements of the store to add it together. What has become really interesting is, as retail media gets more in-store into the physical store environment in that 90% of transactions, that's gonna fund and drive all the screens, that Christina was talking about, you know, the installed digital tech that you then link up with some sort of recognition device, whether it's an app or a smart card or something like that, and then the retailer data to be able to then provide some level of personalization. And you 100% start with per- with service, with mm-hmm. giving them fantastic service. And then when you're used to tech, you're then layering, um, you know, personalized marketing type yeah. bits.
0: Yeah, I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive either. It's not invest in tech or invest in Being, you know, having associates helping individuals in the store. I was just talking to Jeff Roster this morning. He loves going to talk to his butcher. Like that experience is great, but when you think about the pressures that grocers are under right now with, labor shortages and, you know, having to fulfill an order in a certain amount of time. I mean, those are the places where investing in the automation, the AI that you're seeing in these aisles makes sense so that you can enable those experiences and really, I think, empower the associates too to be um, be gold on service that they're giving in the store and the way that they're able to help help the consumers and make that impact and especially differentiate as we start to get into... A Kroger and Albertson's merger, where there's footprints yeah. all over the place. It, al- uh, oh.
3: it also reminds me a bit about the pendulum that you spoke about, uh, Shop Talk and the mm. Zeitgeist, and where the pendulum's gonna finish at the moment. It feels like mm-hmm. ten, years mm-hmm. in. 10 years ago. What
2: brilliant thing did I
3: say um, <laughs>
0: so Refresher, we're on day
3: three, Ben. <laughs> Pre pandemic, um, retail got all about experiential. Oh, yes, hadn't yes, it? yes, yes, yes. During the pandemic, we had to go extreme efficiency. Yep.
2: You're watching My it, series is okay.
3: now talking to me. Um, <laughs> that pendulum, where, where is it swinging between experiential and pure efficiency? And right now it feels like he's setting somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I was just going to say that I think um, uh, Roddy McMullen did talk a little bit about that on the May stage too about how they're um, thinking mm-hmm. about when when it makes sense to leverage technology and when it makes sense to just offer a really like strong um, store experience. He he mentioned um, his thinking was that um, when it's kind of those areas that you can't really see, um, whether it be like you know investing in like a, a better and improved like point of sale system, you mm-hmm. know, it kind of makes sense to to make those in investments in uh, technology. And um, you know, they uh, had been recently. in the, the news for their, um, their, uh, kind of interest in, in, in more kind of local products and, mm-hmm. and adding that. And I'm sure, um, a lot of those local, uh, neighborhood Kroger's are, are going to appreciate those, um, additional products that they're using and, and that's making their store experience better. So, um, to, to you guys' point, I think it, there's no kind of, um, uh, one side of, of the, it's, it's more of the, just striking that balance. And, um, I think, yeah, I think, I think over the course of time, to, to your question, I think it will start to kind of maybe like recorrect itself on, on its own, but you know, maybe it's our, our jobs to, to kind of push that as well.
0: Excellent. Um, I think we have time for maybe one more question, if we have one. I see a hand.
2: We have one up front, it looks like. Or, or we got one over here. Okay. Yeah. I just, by the way, as we're updating our Dave count stack, that was number four in <laughs> next question. So. Okay. <laughs> to get a after I'll get, get,
3: get commission if we can fit
2: yes. this one in. Yeah, yeah thank you, Dr. Uh, uh, everyone at Grocery Shop for, the, for conducting such a beautiful program. It's the first time I'm visiting. Uh, my question is, uh, uh, you know, the, while there has been a lot of discussion, uh, there hasn't been uh, you know, a specific focused discussion on what could disrupt grocery next. What will, what will
3: disrupt grocery next? That is an incredible question. Um,
2: Feels like a 2024. Mm-hmm. It's like we got to set the agenda. What,
0: what exactly. do you think it'll
2: be? What should we put on the agenda next year? Yeah. yeah.
3: I, I, I think the, for us, there's a couple of things that we are looking at. Um, number one is what does the next wave... So the next set of externally facing use cases of Gen AI look like, that's gonna be huge. Mm-hmm. The second is where does this consolidation run go to? That's gonna be really interesting. Yep. Um, and thirdly is that complete unknown about what's gonna happen around sustainability because what's gonna happen in the climate that's gonna lead that to shoot up the agenda. And that's, that's kind of the, the, the unknown disrupting whilst at the same time we can probably see it coming.
0: And what's the impact of shrink and theft? What, what's the solution there and how are, what that means for how grocery retailers are gonna have to sell? How do we make that yeah. happen? Yeah. Yep. Um, thank you all so much. Thanks for a wonderful grocery shop. Let's give the grocery shop team a round of applause. You guys have been fantastic. Thank you so much. And as we always say in closing at AmiTalk, be careful out there.